Welcome to the Knowledge at Wharton podcasts. Knowledge at Wharton is the online research and business analysis journal of the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Support for Knowledge at Wharton podcasts comes from Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their long-term financial goals at vanguard.com. The cover photograph in the latest copy of The Economist says it all. The May 25th edition has a picture of a bear peeping out of the woods with a headline that asks, Which way is Wall Street? The magazine notes in an editorial that after nearly three years of gains, international stock markets tumbled by more than 10% during the past couple of weeks. Emerging markets got clobbered, as did equity markets in Europe. Now, is this likely to lead to the kind of bearish slump that followed the dot-com bust in the spring of 2001? Or will the volatility pass? Professor Jeremy Siegel, a finance professor at Wharton and author of the book The Future for Investors, came to the Knowledge at Wharton office to speak with my colleague Robbie Shell and me, Mukul Pandya, to, to discuss what's going on. Professor Siegel, welcome. Happy to be here, Mokul. Before we talk about the markets, let me ask you about something that has just happened. John Snow has stepped down as the Treasury Secretary, and Henry Paulson, the chairman of Goldman Sachs, has been named as the successor. What do you think of that? What do you think will be the impact on the U.S. and on international stock markets? Uh, I think Paulson is an excellent choice. Uh, more suited for the job than John Snow was. Uh, he has more of a background in economics. He has an MBA. Uh, yes, it's from Harvard, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's a, he was an outstanding uh, undergraduate student also, uh, understands the markets very well, uh, and uh, which I think is critical for, uh, to you know, be a secretary of, of the Treasury today. One also has to remember that the Secretary of Treasury's function has moved more in the area of of supporting the administration's economic policy and pointing out what's good about the economy, um, while the American public seems to be focusing on what's wrong with the economy. The actual power of this Secretary of Treasury to uh, to implement uh, policy is is limited. We're in a world of floating exchange rates, and foreign exchange traders look to the Fed and the central bank. Bernanke is many times more powerful uh, than the Secretary of Treasury, and even though Bernanke and the Fed say the realm of exchange rates goes to the uh, the Treasury Department, the truth of the matter is it falls to the Federal Reserve and their policy. So um, it's not anywhere near as important a position as Bernanke's was by any stretch, uh, but it's welcome that I believe we do have a very well-qualified person in that position. The past couple of weeks have been very stressful for international stock markets. What caused the volatility, and is the worst over now? I actually think the worst is over. Let me tell you uh, Foursquare where I, I think the, 
drop came from? Uh, uh, it came from a disappointment with the statement that accompanied the May 10th FOMC announcement. Uh, the market was expecting the Fed to say that conditions were such that the Federal Reserve could pause in the upward movement of interest rates. As you know, we've had 16 consecutive increases uh, over the last two years. Uh, the market was looking for a 5% anchor. Um, Bernanke hinted in testimony before that May 10th hearing that that very well could be the case. But once the statement came out, there was no hint of an ease. And uh, right the next day, we had a 100-point fall. We had another 100-point fall on, on Friday. Um, and, uh, and then the next week, we, we had some more, even more serious uh, declines. Uh, the, the stock market wants an anchor. It wants to say, it wants to know where we are going. An, up, an open-ended upward movement of in interest rates is very frightening to the stock market. Because bonds are very you know, compete with stocks, and uh, uh, I think this is without question what set the reaction off. Uh, speaking of uh, Mr. Bernanke, you wrote in your market commentary recently that uh, you think that the markets are testing him. How do you think he's doing so far in these tests? Uh, so far, he's his main problem has been in communication. Um, there was that miscommunication um, uh, in his testimony, hinting at something and then telling a reporter that that's not the market misinterpreted uh, him. Uh, these are mistakes that a rookie sometimes makes. But as I stated, I think he's a very intelligent uh, individual and a very quick study. And I think that we won't see these mistakes uh, in the future. Uh, now, when I say the markets are testing them right now, um, uh, as I as I look ahead, uh, there are there are two bubbles that the Federal Reserve needed to puncture. One was the real estate bubble, which has been punctured. There is just no question now when we look at the data that real estate has slowed significantly, that price increases, in fact, have turned into price decreases in the hot coastal areas of our country. Um, and, and this is basically what, the, what the, the Fed wanted to do. What has not yet been convincingly popped is the commodity bubble, particularly oil, the metals, copper, zinc, aluminum, etc. Yes, in the last week or two, we've had a reaction downward, but we've had such reactions in the past, and they have been followed by upward surges. The test will come if these commodity prices and oil prices surge to new highs. They're going to say to Bernanke, you know, what are you going to do about this? Are you, are you really committed to a very strong dollar and a firm monetary policy, or are you going to be weak and, and not raise rates? Now, so far, we haven't had that confrontation, but it might happen. It might happen very, relatively soon. The conference board has just reported that consumer confidence in May has fallen to the lowest point in the past three months. 
As you might expect, this reflects the high gasoline prices and to some extent the volatile stock market movements. Should investors be concerned about this? What is interesting is actually of the two surveys, the conference board has shown a surprising strength, even though it did decline last month. It's nowhere near as low as the University of Michigan um, survey, uh, which is consumer sentiment. That is showing multi-year lows. We're, when we look at a graph of the conference board, we see that it's, 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 it had dropped, but it's still, uh, it's still not that low. We've never really seen quite as big a divergence. It's sort of hard to understand why that's been. But, but you're right. This last one was down, and um, uh, there's no question that high gasoline prices and high interest rates those are the two factors that have an immediate impact. A longer-term factor is unemployment and the economy. That's looking much better. But, uh, you know, everyone talks about gas prices. Uh, uh, it's almost like the weather nowadays about what you chat about. And <laughs> I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, if you start uh, realizing we just came back from Memorial Day, people had to fill up their tanks several times. And uh, you, you do feel that, that pinch. Um, the, the consumer is going to slow down. There's no question second uh, half of this year. And um, uh, we're going to have to rely on corporate capital expenditures to keep the economy moving at least at a moderate pace. Uh, speaking about corporate, uh, the, the corporate well, the, what's going to happen on the corporate side, uh, Walmart uh, stock prices uh, have come down uh, mm. Uh, because uh, the retail giant has just reported disappointing sales in May. And, uh, again, the company has blamed uh, the high gasoline and utility prices for its performance. Should investors be concerned that, uh, you know, in addition to consumer confidence, that corporate profits will be tepid or depressed uh, because of the commodity uh, uh, bubble that you talked about earlier? the the energy costs those those firms that have high energy costs certainly are impacted the consumer will shift downward actually the interesting thing about the walmart phenomenon is even though it is the the, the low end that really gets hurt by the interest rates and and the oil um, Walmart starts gaining some customers from the middle end that now have to go to walmart <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, also, Walmart's have been having some difficulties, interesting, on the international. There were series of articles in the Wall Street Journal about not making it in Korea and having trouble in Japan. I mean, the international component is also a very big component, knowing your market and understanding your market. Yeah, but, but, but all this is indicative of, of the fact that uh, uh, we have... We're going to have a slowdown. Something else, by the way, is the fact that in past years, tax declines have boosted income. Not, no tax decline this year, you know, just barely an extension of the previous tax. So we're not getting that tax boost and we're getting subtracted from both by the energy costs uh, and uh, the um, interest rates. The only bright uh, actually side of the energy cost is how low natural gas is. And you say, well, what was, how important that is. Yes, we don't run automobiles on natural gas, but natural gas is a very important source of electricity uh, production. 
And um, actually, electricity a couple months ago was up at a 5% rate when gas was way up. Uh, this may moderate that. And don't forget, there's quite a few heating systems which are dual that they can use either oil or gas. And that is, that's a moderation factor. Uh, coming um, uh, for the heating season. However, that's about the only bright spot uh, that we see. I mean, today again, uh, day after uh, Memorial Day, we see another surge of commodity prices. And I'm watching them very, very closely because I think that that's, that's where the test will be uh, if, if they surge into new high ground. Some people point out that the impact of high energy prices is being offset by the fact that China and India have opened up their economies and their cheap labor is helping to push down the costs of goods and services. Do you agree? And if so, how long can that effect continue? Yes, Robbie, I've made that very point. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the observers yes. on that <laughs> I say, oh, don't worry, you're just turning out cheap goods with this high energy. I, 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 think, um, I think that's true. And one of the reasons why overall inflation outside the energy complex uh, is so moderate um, is, is the fact that a, that a lot of it is coming because of imported goods. This is one, one, one of the big differences in the 1970s when we also had a surge of oil and energy prices, but we didn't have those imports and everything was produced here or Europe. And as a result, everyone had to you know, suffer through the, the, the energy situation. So that has been one reason why it hasn't impacted the economy more. Virtually every economist model, you told them it would be $75 oil, and they would tell you, you're going to be near a recession. We're not. Slight slowdown, yes, a moderate slowdown on to the consumer, but, but not a recession. All that said is that you can't run your automobile on those Chinese products. So <laughs> <laughs> they're still going to cut into a disposable income. Right. Just like uh, you know, the, the, the impact of China and India uh, have stimulated supply, uh, cheap money has uh, stimulated demand. Uh, but now the days of cheap money uh, seem to be coming to an end. Uh, all around the world, the major central banks are, in fact, as you said, tightening monetary policy. So how, can, how, how long can uh, the demand side of the picture remain good? Should, be, should there be any concerns on well, that front? This is the one-two hit, one from the energy costs. Two from the interest rate. We have we have a fancy term called MEW, mortgage equity withdrawal, MUSE, which is how much people take out on second mortgages on home equity loans, which has been huge. Um, and um, uh, uh, when two years ago uh, you could take out home, they were they were giving home loan rates as low as four percent, sometimes three and a half percent. These were not teaser rates. These were home equity rates, but they're variable rates. Now those same rates are 8% or higher. That's, that's a huge change. And so those people have been using, as, as we say, their homes as an ATM machine to cash out, obviously are going to be crimped uh, dramatically. That's the second source of the slowdown, and that's why I think in the second half of this year, you know, consumer spending could slow down to only a 2% rate. And the only way that we would get to 3% GDP, which is minimal growth, most economists are thinking 35 is what we're capable of. Three would be capital expenditures rising and maybe exports rising. But if we just had to rely on the consumer in the second half of the year, I think we would have a significant slowdown. 
Someone said recently, and I believe it was you, Jeremy, <laughs> that a low dollar is favorable for the equity markets, but the anticipation of a falling dollar is unfavorable to both stocks and bonds. Right. Do you think the Bush administration is amenable to a decline in the dollar, and what could be the impact of that? Well, you know, we're going to obviously get statements here from and Mr. Paulson, the <laughs> uh, designated Secretary of Treasury. Official position is still a strong, is still a strong dollar. Um, although, interestingly enough, today the dollar has has actually uh, weakened. This is another form of the test that I think that Bernanke might be put to: um, a falling dollar and. Uh, rising commodity prices. Um, um, if the dollar can can hold around this level and commodity prices don't move, I, I think I, I'm very favorable. If they surge and the dollar falls, um, Bernanke, this is the test. He may have to hike again and maybe even by more than just a mere 25 basis points and say, say this is, hey, listen, uh, I'm really serious about this. I'm not soft on inflation. Um, I'm, I'm not going to let the, the dollar just slide anywhere and um, uh, you know get up the attention of the market. It would be a cold bath for stocks and bonds and commodities particularly. Um, um, we did talk a little bit about the foreign markets, and I, I do want to uh, get that in. I don't know if you had another question, Mukul, on that. Um, those were almost straight-up markets, particularly the emerging markets. And I've long lectured that whenever you have markets that go up almost every day, as they had for the last three to four months, when they go down, they're going to go down fast and big. That's mm -hmm. always been the case. So, you know, people say, oh, my God, there's a 20% drop in the emerging markets. They're still 30% ahead of where they were a year ago. I mean, the increase had been extremely strong and... Um, Actually, that's another bubble, and I think the emerging markets were in a bubble, somewhat the foreign markets, but not as much, that uh, is actually healthy if they break because no market can be up every day. Uh, and it was just unlimited money flowing in, riding the trend, as I think we talked about before, and eventually when there's a wobble, it's going to be a, a big one. Is it the start of something major? No, I don't think so. This is a question of how high we have to go in order to control the second bubble, the commodity bubble in the economy. We, we've talked several times about the commodity bubble. What, what is the appropriate response? Uh, for, and, and, and how can that bubble be burst uh, without ca causing damage? Well, the, the, the balancing act that, that Bernanke has today is he, we know that housing is slowed. C commodities, we're not convinced that we've seen the lows. Um, he, the worry is if he really puts a, a strong move on the commodities by raising interest rates, would he tip housing into such a decline that it could tip us into a recession? That is, that is his major balancing act that he has to uh, do at the present time. Um, uh, but my feeling is that if commodities rise, if they test them and the dollar falls and comes in very strong, uh, it'll be, a, as I say, a really a cold bath right at the beginning. But I actually think that interest rates, long-term interest rates, could start downward because they say, wow, he's, he's, gonna, he's serious about inflation control and he's not worried about how much he has to slow the economy to do that. Right then, I would maybe want to be a buyer of long-term bonds. That would moderate its housing 
effect. In other words, even though he'll jack up the short rate, it is basically to show he's serious, it might cause a decline in the long rate. And by the way, that's the first sign that that is usually all you have to do. Back in 1994, 12 years ago, when Greenspan sent that rate up a half a point at the very end to 6%, um, uh, that was all that was needed. The bond market started rallying, and from that point onward, there were no further increases. Well, let's end with the one question we always ask you. What do you think investors should do now? Oh, well, I think uh, actually, I, I, I say sit tight, don't worry, certainly don't bail out. Actually, right now, I think for those of you who didn't get in this year and maybe you regretted it, you are now back to a about January levels. And um, my feeling is is that positioning in stocks at the present time is appropriate and in, the international stocks are down and positioning yourself there. I think that long run, uh, investors are getting better returns now than they were just a month ago. Great. Well, Professor Siegel, thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me here.